The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. On the day of Pentecost, the promise of God brings the power of God for the people of God. Two years ago, our youngest son, Gavin, and his wife, Michelle, moved to Finland. Now, when you've told me about your kids moving overseas, I said, wow, it's great, man, what an adventure. But that's when it was your kids. Few weeks ago, Dana and I decided to, to fly him home. We're in the middle of downsizing a bit, and for him to be here on Mother's Day, and and so we we brought him home for a few days. About a day before he got here, he texted and said, "Hey, Dad, a plane gets in at three. Do you think we could go straight to Anamia's?" <laughs> and I texted back. I said, "We will." I promise. A promise. What is a promise? A promise is an assurance that a future event will happen. But wait, there's a kicker. And that with every promise, you always have to wait. Promises are great, but you always have to wait. And that's exactly what was happening with the small huddles of believers in Jerusalem that we read about in Acts chapter 2. They were doing exactly what Jesus had told them to do. But to get a full context, let's back up a bit into Acts chapter one, verse four and five. Once when he was eating with them, Jesus, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days, whoops, Glass is broken. They're having a hard time staying on here. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. A promise. An assurance that a future event will happen. But you have to wait. That's what was happening on the day of Pentecost when all the believers were waiting together for this promise. They had heard Jesus tell them that when he left, Another would come, the, in the Greek, a paraclete, there's various translations, but, but would, it would be like the encourager, the advocate, one who comes alongside, the comforter. Jesus had also promised that he would no longer just be with them, but he would be in them. Jesus had also promised that this coming Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them to truth and to remembrance of all the things that he had said. Now, the promise sounds great, but you have to wait. So they were all together waiting. Think of a gate at an airport where the airline company has promised you that there's going to be a plane that is going to come take you from point A to point B, but it's not arrived yet. For those of you who travel, does that sound familiar? So we wait. You look around, nobody's having much fun. But again, no one said waiting was fun. It's just what you do until the promise arrives. We've got some kids in the room today, and as a kid, you know what it's like around Christmas time when you see a present under the tree, 
But you have to wait to open the gift until Christmas morning. When will this promised Holy Spirit appear? How will it, will it arrive? What will happen? It's during this time of waiting, this period of uncertainty, that I just wonder if it crossed the disciples' mind that let's just, let's just do what we know to do when we don't know what to do. Let's just go fishing. It's what they had done a short time earlier after the resurrection as Jesus was showing up from time to time, but it wasn't clear what they were supposed to do, so they just did what they'd always done. They went fishing. Remember that in John chapter 21? I wonder as they were waiting for this promise, if they just thought, let's just head out to the lake. Go back to the familiar what I'm used to doing when I don't know what else to do. I wonder if they pulled up their YouTube versions on their iPhone of proper casting techniques. You know what you do when you wait. And then it happened. The plane arrived. The promise came in a supernatural way. And everyone knew that God was pouring out his Holy Spirit. What Jesus had foretold earlier, that I am with you, but I will be in you, was happening before their very eyes. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the promise had come. Okay, Nat, that sounds great, but what does that have to do with me sitting here at IBC in 2023 wishing I was at the lake? Well, if you read Acts 22, Peter ex exp explains to the crowd what is happening, that a promise is being fulfilled. And then he wraps it up and the crowd says, what should we do? And he points them to repentance and baptism that they too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.39, this promise is to you, your children, to all those who are far, far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. That's us. That's today. The plane came, the promise is fulfilled, and the best part is that we don't have to wait. If you have placed your faith in Christ and accordingly received his Holy Spirit, the promise of the guide leading you to truth is here. The one who comes alongside to comfort and encourage and advocate is here. But here's my experience. Instead of embracing this key role of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm constantly tempted to go out to the lake and start fishing, do what I've always done, follow familiar habits and patterns. They've not worked very well for me, but hey, at least they're familiar. Brothers and sisters, the promise has come. The Holy Spirit is here bringing the power and the presence of God. And so I ask you today, are you grieving today? The Holy Spirit is here to bring comfort. Are you discouraged today? The Holy Spirit is here to encourage your soul. Are you confused today? The Holy Spirit is here to guide you to truth. Are you lonely today? Jesus says, I'm with you, but I will be in you. So Gavin arrives, Dana and I take him to Anamia's where he consumes mass quantities of food. Promise kept, and he said it was worth the wait. God has kept his promise to us. You don't have to wait. Today, we can walk away from familiar coping patterns and let him come alongside and be your advocate. Today, turn your face to him and let him bring you comfort. Today, open your heart to him and let him guide you just as he promised he would. 
just as we just sang, surrender all to him. For today, the day of Pentecost, the promise of God brings the power of God for the people of God. On the day of Pentecost, the promise of God brings the power of God for the people of God. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses. These were the words that Jesus Christ spoke to the disciples before he ascended to the Father in Acts 1. And so after that, they walked to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. They met the women there. They prayed, and they waited. Now, I've had the incredible privilege of actually walking from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. And as special as that singular walk was, it was nowhere near as long uh, or didn't take as much as the many times that walks that I accumulated as a teenager at a local park near my house in Oak Cliff, witnessing the people and telling them about the wonders of God. Now, what would possess me, a teenager, to go talk to random strangers about my faith. Well, call it maybe just the power of God that fired up in me, or I was just new to the faith and I really wanted to share it with people. But truly, I tell you this, it was the power of God for salvation. And you receive this power the moment that you put your trust in Jesus and this Holy Ghost power continues to form you in the way of Jesus and for the sake of the world. This is the work of God through the Spirit. And you either have it or you don't have it yet. So allow me to share what the Holy Spirit means for us today as first seen in Acts 2 and how on the day of Pentecost, the promise of God brings the power of God to the people of God. So... One day I was standing uh, in our backyard. It was a really windy day, and uh, I was admiring the sod that we had just laid down. Now, I get excited about putting dirt and grass on the ground. I don't know about you. And so I was admiring and just dreaming up uh, projects in our backyards. And as I was staring at the ground, I noticed that it began to move. Now, I looked at it, and I was like, there's no way this ground is actually moving. I must be crazy. I can't be that crazy. The thing was, the ground was actually moving. Now, upon closer inspection, I realized I look up at the tree and it's swaying ever so slightly. And then what I realized was because of the strong wind that's blowing, through, blowing on it, it's actually moving the root system because of the tree. So this tree was not a good tree. So I said, it has to go, right? I don't know how any homeowners resonate with preventative work, right, on your house. So I said... This guy's to go. Now, I never saw the wind, but I felt it, and I heard it. And I saw the effect of the wind based on how it was moving the tree. And on the day of Pentecost, the believers heard and saw the power of God through a violent wind and through fire, tongues of fire that rested on them. This imagery points back to experiences in the Old Testament where we see God's presence was manifested through something that they could observe, such as the language of the Spirit of God, His breath, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Numas, this wind. And then we also see it 
such as when the Israelites were walking through the desert and they were guided by a pillar of fire by night. Then, in Acts 2, something supernatural happens. Empiezan a hablar en otros idiomas y lenguajes. Some of y'all caught that, some of y'all didn't. Let me say that again. They start to speak in other languages and tongues. Now, this is the power of God displayed because they had never spoken in any of these languages or dialects before. And you want to know what they spoke about? Verse 11 tells us that they spoke about the wonders of God. And I have to tell you, listen, I have to share with the most wonderful thing that God has ever done for us. And if any part of this that I'm about to share resonates with you, I'm going to need you to talk back to me or just shout or something, right? Especially kids, youth, and young adults. I see y'all, right? So, yes? Amen? All right. So here's, here's, here's what's happening. So in the beginning, God made everything good and right. But then sin entered the picture and all that was good was broken. And you see, because of sin... Sin affects every single one of us. It touches every part of our lives because of either the sin that we do, the sin that was done against us, or just the fact that we live in a broken world. But God so loved the world. He loved you that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come live a perfect life die on the cross for our sin, for the sin of the world, and then raised him from the dead three days later. Did you just hear what I said? A dead man was brought back to life by the power of God. And this man, Yeshua, conquered sin and death. And one day, he's going to put to death sin and death, and all will be made right, all will be made new. Can I get a hallelujah and an amen from somebody? This is the most wonderful thing about the power of God, that he raises dead people like you and I back to life and gives us, forgives us of our sins and gives us a hope that one day all will be made new. I wish somebody would praise God right now. Come on. <laughs> so, this power is available to you today if you've not received it yet. So, how do we see that power today? Look around you. The church. We see it and hear it through the church. See, the church was born on Pentecost, and its birthday present was the power of the Holy Spirit, which was filled inwardly on God's people and witnessed outwardly by others. And so if you have this power of the Holy Spirit, live empowered. Inwardly, living empowered could be, maybe you're in conflict with somebody. So what would it look like for you to move in gentleness towards them? It could look like you're in a season of suffering or grief or lament. How can you hold and honor your sadness and lament but also be filled with joy. It could also look like you're struggling to connect with other believers. And so maybe you continue to be faithful by showing up. Or maybe show up for the first time or come back to youth at IBC, to kids ministry, to young adults. Outwardly, you live empowered when you go. And you draw others in 
just like these early believers did with the power of the Holy Spirit. So this could look like inviting a friend who has questions about faith or Jesus to our Alpha ministry. This could also look like maybe you and your Bible community or formation group go in to one of our local partners and serve with your time regularly. Or just maybe it could look like you going to one of your local parks, walking around and asking the Holy Spirit, who would you have me speak to today? The power of God was heard and seen through the people of God. And the power of God is for our salvation and to form us in the way of Jesus for the sake of the world. Live empowered. And as you are formed in the way of Jesus through this power, you can't help but speak of his wonders. So please praise God as I declare the wonders of God with words from Psalm 146. And my Bible has exclamation points, so I intend to use them. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. Blessed are those whose ayuda is el Dios de Jacob, whose hope is in el Señor, their God. He is the maker del cielo y de la tierra, del mar, and everything in them. He remains faithful por siempre. He upholds la causa of the oppressed. He gives comida to the hungry. El Señor sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to los ciegos. El Señor lifts up those who are agobiados. The Lord loves a los justos. El Señor protege al extranjero y sostiene al huérfano y la viuda. Pero frustra los planes de los impíos. Oh, Sion, que el Señor reina para siempre. Que tu Dios reine por todas las generaciones. Aleluya. Alabado sea el Señor. On the day of Pentecost, the promise of God brings the power of God for the people of God. So on the day of Pentecost, the promise of God brings the power of God for the people of God. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he, and he formed people from the dust of the ground and gave them instructions on how to live. In Genesis 2, 15, he, he tells people to work and keep his creation. To care for the world that he had created by continuing on the creative act that God himself had begun. To cultivate, to create in it. And so in the very beginning, we learned that a major part of imaging God is being creative like God. And in the Garden of Eden, we see this command that God gives for people to create culture. Now, now culture can be a complicated or nuanced or sometimes even loaded word, but here it simply means what we make of the world, what we do with what God has given us. And this can be expressed through food and language and arts and music, but culture is the result of expressing our God-given creativity in unique ways to bring God glory and to worship him. And so we see this distinction even in the beginning between nature and culture. The nature, what God has created, and culture, what we do with it. We see a forest as an example of nature, what God has created, but a garden that's cultivated and cared for that's an expression of culture. 
Corn is nature, what God has given us, but a tortilla, that's culture. A coffee bean is nature, but an Americano is culture. A major part of imaging God is being creative like God, worshiping him through culture. But God also says to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. And this is clearly an important command because it's repeated five times in just the first nine chapters of Genesis. Go, fill the earth, cultivate in it, create in it. And when people settle in different areas, they create unique expressions of culture to bring God glory and to worship him. This was God's plan for the world from the beginning to invite humanity into this creative act, cultivating and keeping, taking what God had given them and creating something unique, all as an act of worship. And yet we turn our Bibles just a few pages and we see people gathering together in rebellion, wanting to make a name for themselves and to not do what God had just commanded them to do. So we read this in Genesis 11. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the whole earth. Hear it again. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the whole earth. They wanted to make a name for themselves and not do what God had just commanded them to do a few chapters earlier, to create cultures, these unique expressions to bring God glory. And so they gathered together instead. And this is what Tony Evans says. He said, instead of pursuing God's agenda of multiplying and filling the earth, they wanted to do everything they could to prevent being scattered throughout the earth. So what does God do? He confuses their languages so that they have to scatter throughout the earth because this was part of God's plan from the beginning. And then we come to the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, the people are gathered together and Luke goes out of his way to tell us that there are representatives from all over the world gathered in one place to worship God. And so on the day of Pentecost, we see a reversal of Babel, but maybe not in the way that we would expect. You see, Acts 2.6 says that a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. They all understood in their own language. God didn't cause everyone to come together and speak the same language, creating some sort of monolithic form of worship. No, they all heard the wonders of God being declared in their own language. Why? Because God is too great and too creative and too beautiful and too wonderful to only be worshiped in one tongue or by one people or by one nation. He is worthy of being worshiped by all peoples. And so at Pentecost, we see the subversive reversal of Babel, that instead of God scattering, we see God gathering the nations together, that instead of causing confusion, God brings clarity and power and presence. Andy Crouch says that at Pentecost, we see God is on the move in history and his work will no longer be contained within the story of just one cultural group. What the Holy Spirit unleashed through the first Christians was nothing short of a cultural revolution. 
a far-reaching wave of cultural creativity that reshaped the Roman Empire. And to that, I would add, and reshaped the world. Here's the point. An infinitely creative God forms people and gives them instructions to create culture, these unique expressions by which they would worship him and bring him glory. This has been God's plan from the beginning. And so on the day of Pentecost, the people of God are gathered and the church is born. The church is gathered and then the church is sent. Church is not scattered. The church is sent. And we hear, we were, we're reminded this day of the, day of the words of Jesus when he says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did you, did you catch that? He says, go. In other words, don't stay. He says, make disciples. In other words, be fruitful and multiply. He says, of all nations. In other words, fill the earth. Spread the good news to all people. Does that sound familiar? The day of Pentecost, we hear echoes of God's plan from the beginning. And so the church is sent, united in Christ, to carry the good news to the ends of the earth, not in spite of culture, but through it. In the rest of the book of Acts, we see exactly that. The multi-ethnic people of God spreading the good news all over the earth. Friends, this is what we're called to, to cultivate and create, that we image God through our unique cultural expressions because God is too wonderful to only be worshiped in one way or by one group or in one people. And so if you're wondering what that looks like, it looks like sharing meals with one another, acts of hospitality. It looks like pursuing reconciliation with one another because we have been reconciled to God. It looks like living missionally and sharing the good news with our neighbors. But do you wanna know what it sounds like? Hear the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are these not all men who Amen. 
So how do we do this? How do we begin to cultivate and create culture to worship God? Well, I think a great first step is to come to the table and simply pay attention. Pay attention to those around you. Go ahead, look, look around. This is the people of God. This is the church. This is this multi-ethnic church that God envisioned from the beginning. And so no matter where your background is, wherever you come from, we all come to one table. It's our King's table. It's our Savior's table. It's our Lord's table. And so this is the part of, of our service. That's my favorite part where we get to come and respond to what we have heard proclaimed today, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So maybe that response first for you is, is to come forward and, and be prayed over or light a candle symbolizing a prayer that you're bringing to God, something that you're trusting him with. Maybe it looks like reflecting just where you are for a moment, doing some of that work with God in your own heart. But when you're ready, I would encourage you to come and receive the elements. So I'd like to invite forward the pastors, elders, and deacons that will be serving. And if you can't navigate the stairs and physically come forward, just slip up your hand. One of our ushers would be happy to bring the elements to you and serve you where you're seated. As always, we have the individual prepackaged elements over on each side and a gluten-free table over here. Everyone is welcome at this table, but if you need it, it's with the cloth. Come forward and, and hear the words spoken over you. The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. For on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and we had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper in the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And he is coming again. Amen? Come forward when you're ready. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.